Welcome everyone. Thanks for joining us on the couch. Um, if you heard the trailer, it was like 12.50 and I was going to go to bed and now it's 1.22 and now we're starting an episode on, um, is it a sin to be drunk? Mm. Um, and quite frankly, uh, we're deciding to do this because, um, I think it'll generate the most amount of traffic to our first episode because it's something that I've been talking about on my Instagram. I've kind of been researching it and writing an article on it. Um, honestly, yeah, that's a tangent. Uh, this is just the intro. Um, Tangents for later. Yeah, so this is Christian. And this is Noah. And that's what the episode is about. We hope that you enjoy it, and if not, then get off the couch. You really don't let me, you, you don't let me talk. Oh, I say my name. Oh, okay. we're recording again. Well, yeah, this is the episode this now. This is the episode. That was just like the intro thing. I, I didn't know we were doing the episode also. We're doing the episode? Yeah, we're doing right the episode. Now. I thought we were doing it right now. I thought you said we didn't have enough time to do that, the episodes for just doing the intro. Well, I just I just figured we're just going to do it. Let's just do it then, I suppose. Like, we could stay up like till 3 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> yeah. No, we have to stop it at some point. Well, might as well not stop now. It's <laughs> 1.30 in the morning. Yeah. And you know it. I have to get up. Operate. I have to get up like 7 I think mm. to pack and yeah anyways guys uh, as you heard in the intro we're talking about is it a drunk to is be sin is it a drunk to be sin <laughs> Christian sounds drunk right now I, so today while we were watching James Bond I drank some eggnog liqueur um, which is an indication of where I stand on drinking alcohol because I was drinking it I don't that may, I think that's the second time I've ever... No. The third time I've had alcohol while living here. Um, we had a beer on the roof once. Yeah, we had a beer on the roof once. I think I had a beer on the roof another time. But I don't think you were here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that was the third tonight. So this is not a heavy drinking house. We For have a, Christian. We have anyways. a beer with the boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For me, at least. You know, I have a beer with the boys. I sip some sort of eggnog Christmas drink while watching James Bond. Um, Gotta drink alcohol while watching James Bond. And it felt really cool, and it tasted delicious. So that was sweet. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> I guess we're just going to talk about it. We don't really have any structure to this. Just dive in. Um, I mean, I think it's... I don't know. I've been doing a lot of research. On the whole, he's, he's is been drunkenness doing a, a lot thing. of research? Is drunkenness a sin thing? I've been mean, a lot, a lot of research, a lot of writing, mm. um, and you know, to be super frank, I uh, yeah, it's it's hard to come out with like a public opinion just, just about if you think drunkenness, getting drunk, is a sin or not, right? Because mm. it depends. I think. Yes. So much on circumstance and heart posture and things like that. But I'm not sure. Because part of me me is like, obviously I feel conviction that like to get drunk at all is just a sin. Right. I feel that conviction. I'm not going to get drunk. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, the scenario is brought up pretty often. Like, or it's not brought up. The, I guess, not a straw man but a hypothetical hypothetical scenario mm-hmm. of a bunch of 40-year-old 
Jesus-loving women mm. who are talking about Jesus, classic. chatting with their friends, drinking wine, and they just, they have a little too much wine. And all of a sudden, they're drunk. Mm. Talking about their families and Jesus, and it's like, yeah, you know, when, when I'm reading through, you know, because I compiled a lot of verses regards mm-hmm. to drunkenness and Old Testament, New Testament, it's like, when it describes a drunkard as a fool, I'm like, these women who are like enjoying company, talking about Jesus, and they happen to get drunk on accident or intentionally, but probably on accident. Um, was it a sin for them? Yeah, that's a good question. You know? That's... Because it's not like they're... I guess it depends then also on what sort of things they do while they're drunk. Right. You know. So you're questioning the intention, whether or not that makes drunkenness a sin. Yeah. I mean, here's another thing. But like within you, like, so there's like other sins where it's like whether you know you're, you're doing it or not, you're still sinning. Like with lust, like if your intention wasn't to lust, but you still ended up lusting, mm-hmm. that's still sinful just as if you intended to lust. Yeah. And here's the thing, too, that I've been thinking about. Because there's a big, there's a really wide spectrum. There's one side, which is the 40-year-old ladies getting drunk. And there's the other side where it's the... the um, College frat boy. College frat boy who actually has a addiction to alcohol that is utterly destroying his life. Or the 40-year-old guy who mm. started drinking alcohol who in college. Who was a college frat boy. College frat boy who then got addicted to alcohol, you know, drunk driving, has done the whole nine, and and now it's a major problem for his life, right? That's kind of the two sides of the spectrum, I feel like, where, like, one side is heart posture and intention um, is probably as best as it can be for still getting drunk, and the other side is, like, just the worst. Mm-hmm. Just, like, that's terrible. And one side is also, like, very low consequence, and the other side is the highest consequence you know essentially it's leading to death and so i think you know in james it talks about um there's a verse that that i think it's james 115 and i i don't have it memorized right now but it's like temptation um can you pull it up yeah i got it i think it's james 115 temptation when fully James Bond, 115. James Bond. <laughs> then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Yeah, so I don't really know the whole word meaning thing behind the desire thing. And when I was thinking about it, I was like, temptation leads to sin. Sin, when fully grown, leads to death. And so, I mean, in any regards, sin is not okay, right? And so Sin even, is always bad. It's always bad. Um, and the 40-year-old women who are drunk unintentionally, are they still committing a sin? Um, I mean, there's, there's still some sort of like, they still have responsibility. Like it wasn't an, a complete mm-hmm. accident that they got yeah. drunk drinking wine. And, and let, let, let's just say that hypothetically mm-hmm. that it would be okay in that mm-hmm. instance that their heart posture 
exempt them from, you know, drunkenness normally being a sin. E- even if that were true, the exception does not make the rule, right? Yeah. Because that's just, like, one small instance. Yeah, and so, I don't know, the thing that... that... <clears throat> The, the thought that I've been having in regards to that verse in James is like that one night of getting drunk with their girlfriends talking about family and Jesus and whatever is like is that desire I guess or no that's not it I don't know I was when I was thinking about the verse I thought like oh it kind of looks kind of seems like it was an introduction like 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 some sin is smaller than others like this sin this little baby sin when it's fully grown leads to death but like right now it's a small baby sin where they like you know the heart posture was there but they did so anyways um versus the other side where it's like basically the sin has really manifested itself into death for the 40 year old drunk guy mm-hmm. um i don't know which that verse is speaking about desire, desire giving birth to sin, which fully grown leads to death. And so, I don't know, I mean, I I can see, I don't know scripturally where this lands, but I can see kind of the idea of some sin, like sin, you know, being birthed, how some sin could be less destructive to you know, our soul and our nature, right? Like, you know, having sex before marriage is going to affect you spiritually, mentally, emotionally significantly more than one night of getting drunk with your girlfriends. On um, accident. On accident. So. While talking about. While talking about Jesus. And family. And family. And um, yeah, and good things. So. I don't know. I don't know. I think let's let me I still so I I mean personally I have the conviction that to get drunk at all is just is foolish. It doesn't lead to good things. Um I don't really see a circumstance where the Lord would be like, This is righteous. This mm-hmm. is God honoring. Yeah. But I mean there's also different levels of drunkenness. And so it's a ser- seriously complex topic mm-hmm. that I've been trying to write an article on. Yeah. And it's just, it's just like all, it's like, is it all heart, heart posture or is it just like yes or no? Well, let's go back to that God honoring thing. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, what does God honoring look like? Because I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of things in our lives that probably aren't God honoring. No. You know, like we just watched Skyfall. Mm-hmm. Was that a God honoring use of our time? Uh, that's a great question probably not would have been way better to like go to bed like read scripture together pray together like yeah read a read a book go for a walk so many better options yeah that's true like what what does it look like to glorify god and all that we do well it doesn't mean that I mean, it's not like there's only one thing that you can be doing that is glorifying God, right? So if there's freedom in what we can do to still bring him glory, then, you know, because then if there's like, oh, in this moment, 
we should be praying and reading scripture and if we're not then it's not giving glory to God yeah then then there wouldn't really be freedom in that regard Mm -hmm. and we couldn't ever give him glory right which would be tough that would be really tough um there's also like I don't know there's things that like give God glory and then there's the other side where it's like anti-God mm-hmm. or like worshipping something else yeah but then there's definitely I feel like I don't know maybe not maybe there is an end in between <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> because I don't know like admiring art and cinema and James Bond and the character mm-hmm. and all these things like yeah that's really cool someone created that and invented that and we can enjoy it like God created things for us to enjoy yeah like alcohol yeah like alcohol and we can honor the Lord with our use of alcohol we can honor the Lord while we're watching James Bond right right I mean I think so I think so too otherwise like but the way you honor and glorify God with alcohol is not in drunkenness yeah can can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Because you're the, the smart guy over here. That's not true. You got the article. <laughs> yeah. It's coming out. Okay. Hot off the press. Yeah. Next Monday. It's dropping. Um, <laughs> well, I was hoping to finish it today and then my computer stopped working. But, I mean, it's possible. I don't know. It's possible. Yeah. So, let's obviously, instead of kind of talk around it I mean let's just go straight to the Bible like what does the Bible say about drunkenness like how how would you you frame a biblical argument of arguing it is a sin to get drunk um Ephesians 5.18 do not get drunk on wine wow that's great (laughs) I mean it's pretty much there yeah and then also Paul says a few times in Corinthians, uh, I think it's First Corinthians, he's like, drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm. Um, and please look up those scriptures. Like, just Google, like, First Corinthians, drunkards. So you're telling me you don't have God. all these scriptures memorized? No, I don't have them memorized. Wow. Of course I don't have them memorized. This is couch convos. It's yeah, not really the most professional. It's not. I didn't prepare no, to talk about. I mean, in a way, I have definitely been yeah, preparing, but I'm I more don't prepared than I am. Like, I'm not referencing anything because we're using my phone to record. That's true. And so I can't like. Oh, let me just look this up really quick. But what about? So I'll, I'll keep going. The, yeah, okay. there's other verses. So Old Testament. Yeah, that's there's where a lot of them are. There's a lot. A lot. Um, in Proverbs yep. and in some of the prof- prophets or minor, major prophets that are like. It, it talks about drunkenness in a very, very negative light. Um, it associates drunkenness and wine with God's wrath. Um, talks about drunkenness as foolishness, um, with, associates it with evil. Um, and throughout the Bible, and especially in the New Testament, I think it associates drunkenness with sexual immorality um, a lot. Which is also bad. Which is also bad. The whole sexual immorality thing, not good. Um, And 
kind of what I put in my article is like, you know, you just, you just picture the college party scene. It's always a mixture of drugs and sex um, mm. of some kind, some sort of sexual immorality. Um, party scene in college, club scene in any big city. Um, this is drugs, alcohol, and sex. It just goes together. And, um, yeah, it's not good. And and uh, then I think the where the Bible speaks about um, alcohol, in particular wine, positively, is, you know, there's a, a, typically an abundance of wine is associated with blessings. Um, but it, it never talks about like an abundance of drunkenness being a blessing. Mm. Um, like it doesn't, it doesn't explicitly say like, oh, you're getting drunk on wine to the glory of God, but an abundance of wine, like feels as though it is implying so. Um, but uh, I don't have those verses in front of me and it would be pretty hard for me to assume that I think it'd be a stretch to be like, oh yeah, getting drunk is like honoring the Lord with alcohol. Um, but yeah, but you know, I mean, then we can also come back to Jesus's first miracle, turning water into wine and all of the festivities and things associated with that, um, with wine in, in Jesus times. Um, it was definitely, I mean, they were partying for sure. They weren't drinking grape juice, you know? Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, I can't, I think that it would be a stretch to say that no one got drunk off of the alcohol that Jesus made out of the wine Jesus made from water. Um, maybe that's totally heretical and I'm totally wrong, but just based upon the light understanding that I have of Jewish wedding traditions and festivals and party times, um, people drank wine in abundance and got slammered um, in celebration. So, and Jesus participated in that. But the Bible never explicitly says Jesus got drunk or any of his disciples got drunk or getting drunk is, is righteous. And we're not insinuating that that ever happened. Yeah. Probably didn't happen. No. Would be most definitely my guess that that was most definitely the case. Yeah. That it did not. So, I don't know. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard subject to tackle. And I've really only spent hours upon hours upon hours, like a day or two, really writing about it. And I spent a couple of weeks, like briefly here and there, like watching a video on it, reading an article, just to kind of form my thoughts. But yeah, I don't know. I I would, yeah, I don't know. Just it would just be such a stretch to be like, yeah, drunkenness is not a sin. Like the, I just can't. I just don't see how you could back that up biblically unless you're using, like, the context of those days in Jesus' time being like, well, Jesus 
permitted these people to be drunk because he gave them wine that made them drunk. Like, that just feels like it would be such a stretch. Much more so than, like, it not being that way. I don't know. But, who knows? So, but for myself, like, I'm not going to premeditate getting drunk. I'm not going to say to others, yeah, you should, it's okay to get drunk. Like, it is, I still think that it's sinful. I just don't see, like, even the 40-year-old hypothetical situation is like, sure, like, might be the lightest, most un seemingly unconsequential um, circumstance. But even then, like, you get really wasted on the wine <laughs> then they're like throwing up in the bathroom um it's embarrassing like they start talking about stuff that they wish they weren't talking about well it seems like you're treating this hypothetical into just like, an entirely different <laughs> hypothetical <laughs> like yeah i mean it's like oh so they only got a little bit drunk not a lot just like so a, what is like there a line amount of drink in this hypothetical situation yeah, I mean... They're, like, laughing just a lot. They're just laughing a lot. They're, yeah. the, they're just being The silly. excitement stage they're of just, drunkenness. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely different stages. There's seven stages, according to my research. Interesting. Um, stage one would be soberness. Stage mm -hmm. seven is death. <laughs> it's <laughs> really funny, but that's what it is. Um, stage two, I think, is excitement or... Yeah, excitement or euphoria. Excitement, I think... Probably excitement. Excitement and then euphoria. Euphoria sounds a step above. Yes, euphoria is three. Um, but excitement would probably be considered tipsy. Mm, um, buzzed. Tipsy or buzzed. And, you know, I, I from the course that I watched with Nathan Finocchio, um, he, I don't know, it seemed like he... almost insinuated that like if you are in the right environment you know drinking alcohol in celebration and in light of like honor like like you're drinking to remember Jesus's death and resurrection or like the new life that we have it's like it's okay to feel the effects of alcohol in light of like that celebration mm. you know what i mean yeah but i mean that's um not how that's anybody not drunk. anybody knows gets drunk but anyone who's listening to this podcast to figure out if it's okay to drink and get drunk is not doing that <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're, they're like yeah no in this extreme scenario most people nobody that I know does that yeah so I mean if, if if I mean let's be real if you got onto this podcast to be like what does Christian think about drunkenness in order to hopefully hear me say something that is like permitting you to go ahead and get drunk under the right circumstances then you probably shouldn't be trying to get drunk mm. you definitely have the wrong heart heart yeah. posture there and also, Christian is not your authority. God is in the Bible. Yeah. So don't look to him for answers. But look to him for some solid pro tips, some gentle reminders, and some biblical wisdom. 
and references. Mm, references. Because, you know, the OCU, pretty solid. I love listening to their videos. Jonathan Makuda, shout out, dude. Anyways, um, so, so yeah, how do I don't you, know. How do you drink, then? How do you drink? What's a good way to, to drink alcohol or practice drinking alcohol? Like my own personal drinking philosophy? Yeah, and then, I mean, more holistically for, like, a recommendation for others to practice. Yeah, so... To not drink, to just have a few drinks. So there's a couple things. On celebrations. Yeah, so first and foremost depends on the circumstance. You always want to be mindful of the people you're drinking around. Um, if, I mean, for me, personally, if I'm around... Um, a bunch of people who have a tendency to get drunk, then I'm just not going to drink because I don't want to be like, or around Christians who have a tendency to get drunk. Um, then I'm not going to drink with them because I don't want to be indicating that I am in support of their actions, right? Um, and So I usually don't drink in like, big social settings that I don't really know people's history with alcohol um, because for a few reasons number one people for some reason always curious hey Christian why aren't you drinking um, there's a question that I hear a lot and then I just get to talk to them about kind of my my ideas around it and it's just a, an opportunity to talk about Jesus um, that has been really cool and really fruitful um, in my experience. And so, um, I just tend not to just because I, I love being able to minister to people in that regard. And the question doesn't ever come up if I am drinking. Um, and then another thing would be, um, I don't know, another circumstance where, you know, I would drink is, I I mean, I personally love to drink when (laughs) love to drink. I mean, I've really only had alcohol like less than 10 times in my life probably that's crazy um i think yeah probably like less than 10 so tonight was like you know 10 dude, number you, 10 dude oh, you hit double digits congratulations i think so i think so i'm not entirely sure but um could still be under 10 but when i'm very because so, i'm very intentional about when i choose to drink um and i want alcohol to be used to um, kind of like improve at a loss for the right word here but bolster or like create a sort of intimacy and enjoyment with the people that I'm in company with while I'm drinking so like that just sounded like a bunch of big words really what I mean is like I just want to have a beer with the boys to like make the time that I have with them more enjoyable and more bonding um, because I don't drink alcohol all the time. I drink it intentionally with my guy friends who I'm looking to have good conversation with um, and bond with them during that time. And so that's usually will be the time that I drink and I'll drink at like family gatherings um, sometimes. Um, when it's just like a small group of us, um, that's, that's been the only time that I've had alcohol. Um, 
Yeah, and so that's really, that's kind of like my my philosophy behind drinking, and that's definitely subject to change as I get older, but my understandings of like, you know, stewarding alcohol and, and my use of it, like I just, I personally want it to be a bonding and intimate experience whenever I drink it with others. Um, and so that's how I've used it, and it's been very fruitful, and I enjoy it. Um, it's never been a temptation, um, and it's only been something that I've enjoyed. And I, I enjoy alcohol, not because of the effects that it has on my mind um, or me physically at all, but because of like the atmosphere and the intimacy that it can bring to a situation and to conversations with my friends or when we're watching a cool movie. Um, yeah, drink, drinking eggnog while watching James Bond really heightened the experience there. I felt like it did. Cause I was like, you felt like you were James Bond. I mean, in a way. I didn't have... I didn't drink... I feel like gin would have been a little bit more. Like or whiskey. Whiskey. A, a good whiskey. Which we have, too, so that's a shame. Damn, that is a shame. But I feel like whiskey definitely would have been... Would have been cool. Would but the eggnog really was cool. way tastier. It's like yeah. It's festive. Yeah. So, yeah. What was, what was the other question that you had? That was, like, the only question I asked. It was my personal drinking philosophy. Yeah, and then, like, and a, holistic a holistic recommendation. Recommendation. Yeah. Um, holistically, I mean, know yourself and know those around you. Um, you don't want to lead others into temptation. Um, so if it's something that people are wrestling with, don't do it. Um, and if it's some, if it's, you know, if it's something that, that people like are legalistic about, they think it's a sin to drink at all. I wouldn't drink either. Um, because that would discredit your ministry towards them. Right. Cause if they see you drinking alcohol, they're like, Oh, well you're just deliberately sinning without regard to the law um, based upon their incorrect understanding, then um, then I wouldn't because that would prevent you from having an opportunity to talk to them about how drinking alcohol actually isn't sinful. Um, you know, obviously, like, you can't, you can't be a perfect witness to everyone. Um, but when you can be mindful of that and and can walk with the Holy Spirit into that situation, you know, he gives you discernment and understanding that like, oh, this person, they think that it's a sin, then, then like, do it, then don't do it. And uh, have a conversation about it, you know? So that's what's up. That's great. And then, and then yeah, for me, the opposite as well. Like people who see see themselves as like see Jesus as freedom but without authorities like Jesus has saved me from my sins but then I can do whatever I want because I'm free yeah like that's also just not biblical and so I'm not going to drink yeah. with those people either because they also have an improper understanding of what the a license Bible talks to about. sin yeah is so, not real yeah and so I talk about both of those things in the article freedom without authority and legalism as kind of two opposite sides of a coin. Mm. Um, but really, they're kind of on the same side yeah. of the coin, of the river, I feel like. You're, you're getting after both the, 
the liberals and the conservatives. Yeah, I not, literally not do. Politically, but no, I do. I, I throw in political stuff too. Oh, he throws in political like stuff. A right wing person would do this. He's like <laughs> Jesus, this, guys. And then this left wing person would do this and this, but actually, both are wrong. <laughs> you, it's you, great. Usually, we think you know. Jesus is like, oh, he just absolutely wreck all the progressive Christians, or oh, he just absolutely just wreck all the conservative Christians. Jesus would probably be um, a challenging character to both sides, yeah. whether it's the re- religiously, or politically conservative or, or liberal. Jesus challenges the, both. Yeah, the radical middle. Because he's not come to fulfill any prophecy of the left or the right, but he's come to free everybody from their sins and bring them into everlasting new life and relationship with him. So, pretty awesome. So that's so sick. So that's super sick. So sick. Um, do you disagree with anything that I said? No, I wouldn't disagree with that. Should I, like, should I pretend to disagree? <laughs> I don't know. If you want. I mean, I don't really... It's up to you. We're at the 32-minute mark. mark. That's pretty good. That's solid. If we end it, if we end it here, I think that would be pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. And also, I could go to bed because it's 2 in the morning. I'm supposed to wake up at like 7. Right, but might as well stay up till 3 again. No, Noah. So, no. guys, just not, can I tell them? <laughs> go ahead. So. Great. <laughs> two nights ago, we stayed up till 3 a.m. Just talking, hanging out because we hadn't seen each other in a while. Because like we're basically and a half. Like, crazy. We're like bros. We're like dogs, you know? We love each other we in love the most heterosexual way. In the most heterosexual way. Like David and. And Jonathan. Jonathan. Yeah. And. <laughs> then. Basically the same. Basically the same. Thing. Yeah. Totally. I'm David. He's Jonathan. Whatever. And. Hey, man. I think being Jonathan's cooler. I slept with Bathsheba and then murdered her husband. <laughs> so, like, that's not good, man. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. So, but Psalm 51, ever read it? I pretty wrote good. that pretty sick. Pretty good, dude. <laughs> pretty good. A lot of people will be simping over that thing. <laughs> and then the last night, Christian's like, I'm not staying up late again. I can't. I got to work on this article. I got to do all these adult things. And I was like, okay. But I knew I would, I would get him in my trap. So we watched the most recent James Bond movie last night, No Time to Die. And we were up till 3 a.m. And then tonight, he's like, hey, man, I got to go to bed early. got to be up at 7 a.m. I'm going to California. But I didn't even try this time. I just turned on Skyfall. It was really his idea. Yeah, it and was. Then, and then we created a podcast. So... Yeah, couch combos really peak around the the three a.m. minute mark. Yeah, and it's it's one fifty eight right now. So we got another uh, hour to go. <laughs> um. So okay, let's do this. Let's uh, let's spice it up a little bit. Okay, let's spice it up. Let's kind of give our our thoughts on the James Bond movies that we watched. Oh my gosh, there's nothing else I'd rather do. <laughs> I know about movies right now. 
Yeah. So for our audience, um, for everyone else who's joined us on the couch, um, if you're not really interested in movies, if you, you were just here for the drunkenness conversation, you can leave. You can get up. I mean, you can stay. We would want you to stay. We definitely but want we you to get be it. Here. You're busy. You want to use your time wisely. Yeah. Anyway, so that being said, should we talk about um, Skyfall or No Time to Die? Like, like which one do we talk about first? Yeah. Or? Yeah, which one first? It's like we talk about No Time to Die first. Okay, so No Time to Die definitely had more attractive ladies <laughs> in it. <laughs> At least, you know, the protagonist lady. I thought she was pretty attractive. She was a, a more beautiful... So than the other one. She was the other a beautiful lady. woman who was created in the image of God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't be pulling the Christian card. That's me. <laughs> that's, that's me. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, so that's, you know, one of the things that males typically use to um, subconsciously rate movies is the level of attractiveness of the women that are in them. Um, again, subconsciously. Um, so I would rate, personally, No Time to Die above Skyfall in that regard. Whoa. It's just in that regard. <laughs> only, only in that regard. Only in that only, regard. Only in that regard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, No Time to Die is pretty wholesome. Spoiler alert. I mean, it's like, yeah, the dude. girl has a kid. Yeah, it's, it's James, James Bond's kid. kid. So I was like, they're basically married. Bay and mom. Are you kidding me? Bay and mom. It's not just like a side piece. Yeah, you know, like they're trying to like make they're things committed. work. They're trying to make it work. Never mind then, that he abandoned her for five years and, and then, then he, found out and he then had he, a kid. And then he died. And like, then he died. So there was time to die. Apparently. Yeah. Really. Fixed her title there. I was pretty bummed. It was tricky. But you kind of saw it coming, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that really sums up the whole movie, right? It's really the, pretty much the only thing you need to know. Is that you just saw it coming the whole time. Yeah. Like, there was no... Okay, I thought the action was cool. There was some cool action. I thought there was some really cinematic shots some cool that were shots. just super sweet. Um, but man, the development of the antagonists the, the, the villains villain. were just I never felt like afraid for James Bond yeah I was like villain, James Bond has this the entire time and the villain didn't get introduced until like halfway through the movie yeah as like kind of some arbitrary character like and I just I don't know I didn't I, I missed where the conflict was yeah like, I mean like like I understand like the connection between what's uh what's the girl what's her name Something French that starts with an M. Cool. So M. Like M- Mallory. M- Madeline. Madeline. Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia no. too. Marjorie. Here we go again. Marjorie. Maybe. Anyways, M girl. Um. She right. She her dad killed that guy's family, mm-hmm. but then because her and James Bond are like in love and they have a kid together. James Bond had the incentive to like protect her from that guy who wanted to kill her, but also wanted to kill Bond because Bond's the only thing in his way. It's like I get the connection. Yeah, but why did? But why does he he want to kill her? Uh, because she, her parents killed her family, his right. family. But he saved her life in the beginning of the movie. You missed that part. Yeah. Well, he wanted to make her suffer. Why? 
because he's been suffering from the poison that he was given or hit with. But why wouldn't he, like, do that earlier or just kill her? Because um, it's a movie. Also, I feel like he had something against James Bond. Right. Like, what was sure. it? I don't know. James Bond wanted to ruin his plan to, to control the, the whole world. Yeah, they were going to kill like millions of people with like nanobot Everyone poison or something. That attacked specific genes and DNA. Yeah. So like, I guess there's that's how that connected. And like, that obviously is a bad thing. Yeah. That he wanted to stop. Yeah. So. And he like tried to leverage them against each other. But. Yeah. It was just weird. Also like. The villain was like, I want to hold the child. Yeah. It's my child now. And then he just kind of let the child go. Yeah. When that was like some of the leverage he had, I feel mm-hmm. like. But he just, he just like, eh. But then he came back. Yeah. But for, why? I thought he left. Everyone left except him. Are you kidding me? Well, because James Bond opened up the, the silo doors. Yeah. But like, how would he know that? Because he was in a helicopter, so like he could see a lot of things. Was he really in a helicopter? I think they got into a helicopter. But yeah, I mean, then I guess. then he shot James Bond, and then James Bond broke. He broke his, his arm. arm. That was really cool. That was so sick. Yeah, but that was nuts. But then I, I really like, I got it eventually. But like then, like he scratched him with something that meant like there was ever... there was a vial filled with the nanobot stuff that he hit James Bond with, and since the nanobot stuff is like once it gets onto you it's onto you forever kind of like coronavirus but then if he so if he touched any the M girl or her daughter and his daughter they would die mm. because the nanobots spread by touching people so he would never be able to kiss her again because those touch nanobots were targeting them genetically them just the mom and the, the daughter yeah which is nuts mm. yeah so, and then James Bond had to reopen the silo doors. Mm-hmm. But they had already fired missiles, missiles towards the island. To destroy all the poison and the nanobots. Yeah. Okay, so this is starting to become more of like a, a recap. A recap. Than a right. review. So, I thought it was like a C plus. C plus. For me. Okay. Overall, I yeah. just... I never got like invested. I never got hooked. I was just confused. It's kind of drawn out, pretty boring, pretty boring at parts. Just kind of slow. Um, I just there were some really cool action scenes though. That was really great. Um, but like, I just felt like the movie was just getting started right when it ended, with just kind of like the island stuff. I feel like that that could have been set up a lot more. Yeah, like it should have been the first fifteen minutes, and then it, like. It just seems like there's a lot of scene. arbitrary, non-essential things put in between. Yeah. But I guess that's a James Bond film, though, so you really can't be too upset about it. It's not really meant to be, like, an extraordinary form of storytelling. It's supposed to be a cool action film with attractive people in it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean... It, it would be an A+, in terms of f- filling the criteria of James Bond movies. Lots of action... Yeah. I think I think for me I do really enjoy the movies that make you think but I do enjoy the action and the cinematography I really appreciate a lot of the beautiful 
aspects of filming that they did. Definitely some of the action scenes were like, like James Bond was way too OP. Like none of it made sense at all. Like the staircase? The staircase, like the car scene I think was the worst The car scene was way worse. Because he's in this like dinky little 4x4 Suzuki or Suzu Trooper or something against like these land these bulky like bad of the bone land rover defenders like five or six of them and like 10 guys on dirt bikes and he's in this car and somehow he makes every single land rover just flip over like they had no power against him and then a helicopter comes in it just it was just like they made the villain too powerful because then he just shows up and just like like, like they made the the evil army too too big. Mm. Like he should not have been able to overcome that. Like, which I guess he didn't, because they did end up stealing him. Yeah. But, I don't know. But anyways, long story short, my rating, I I would give it like a B minus. Mm. It's still in the B range because I still really enjoyed the movie. It still tugged at my heartstrings, especially at the end, when he died. I feel like they did a good job, really good job, of, like, formulating the relationship between Bond and, like, his kid that he didn't know he had, but now he has, and, like, the M-girl, like, their relationship, like, you felt it when he died, like, it was really sad, I thought, and, like, you know, so that was good, and I feel like that was a big part of the movie, Mm. like, its biggest focus, like, that's why the villain had leverage against him. And all these things. Yeah. Was because of that relationship. You know. Right. But like villain. Like just not well developed. No. Certainly. Yeah. I think especially the actor. Uh, Rami Malek. Mm-hmm. I think he just gets. Gets pretty typecasted. I feel like for. For weird people. Yeah. So like. Okay. We know this actor can just be strange. And then let's put some. Some weird makeup on his face. And. Like that. That'll be our. Our villain. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't ter- terribly mind the the actor choice or the he's makeup. A good, he's a good actor. Yeah. But so. yeah, definitely should have been formed. Should have been formed more. I think. How does this? How does it stack up to to Skyfall? <laughs> so Skyfall is kind of a little bit tough for me because I was working on the album cover for this podcast during it. Um, but I did pretty much watch the whole thing, and I've definitely seen it before. <sighs> There's much less romance in Skyfall. Mm. Like, there was there was sex, but there was no romance. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Didn't pull up my my heartstrings in that regard. Um, so it's different. You know, I feel like the villain was a big focus of the movie. Yeah. I feel like they did a great job with that. Um, rat versus rat. Rat versus rat. That was cool. That was a great Last rat analogy. Standing. Yeah, great analogy. Um, and I... You know, the action was cool. Mm. Definitely. Um, I think if there isn't anything that's 
super ridiculous and unrealistic in a James Bond film than it is in a James Bond film. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how he died in, right in the beginning, but didn't die. That was cool. That was cool. And yeah. it just was like, kind of like, oh, he's back. And then they just like cover it with playful banter. Yeah, and, and he's like, he's back, but like he sucked at his job. Yeah, which was cool. But then he like kind of got it back throughout the movie. And I think that's why I like it, because I think James Bond is normally like, always has it together. Yeah. Tall, dark, and handsome, clean cut. Yeah. Doing anything without a sweat. Like, he is the man. But. Skyfall kind of turned it upside down a little bit. That was in pain. You know, scruffy. Yeah. You know, shot with some, he thought he died, some shrapnel in his arm. Mm-hmm. Psychiatrist says he's, he's not in good shape. Mm-hmm. Fails the exam. It's James Bond we're talking about, you know? Yeah. But What's going on? That's some good internal conflict yeah, certainly. that he has to overcome. Yeah. Which was great. That was, yeah, that was good. Because I think what was great is, like, for a movie to be big, you don't always have to make it bigger in the sense of, okay, like, more explosions and different characters and different locations and all these different crazy scenes and spectacles and all that. Like, it can just happen through good storytelling and yeah, uh, connecting with characters and internal conflict and seeing how that plays into the story. I think Skyfall did that really well because it made it feel bigger, even though it was really just James Bond versus one guy and a few few goons. Mm-hmm. It kind of like really latches you in and just keeps going. Like once, once they capture him and, and put him in prison, mm-hmm. it just is like a nonstop kind of film from there. Really like, yeah, hooks you and just takes you, and it's really great because at that point you've really, you've kind of had the the conflict built um, just by James Bond coming back from the dead and having to kind of regain his skill and you know mm-hmm. he kind of has his conflict with with mom and you know she has the conflict that is kind of re- revealed with Javier Bardem's character and then from there it's like okay boom now let's just lay out all the crazy action and the crazy chase scenes and they kept it small and it still felt like really big and really exciting and then the final battle was literally just like in a house with like no weapons his house his house which is super symbolic it's so symbolic so symbolic coming back to the beginning yeah and it ends in a church ends in a church oh my gosh so much symbolism there yeah but um, a lot going on like he didn't have to go to an island where they're like there's missiles like shooting everywhere and, yeah like, poison and nanobots sort of, like yeah poison nanobots are gonna take over the entire world it was so like, personal so much smaller but because of the personal aspect just felt so much bigger yeah and yeah I, I just think that is great storytelling and like there was still a lot of really great shots and just kept you on the edge until all the way to the end Absolutely. Yeah, and, and like they made the villain like kind of his own little comeback story within it. Mm. It's like, oh, he's not that great of a villain because he just got captured. Yeah. And then boom, 
he like escapes and like the whole villain's whole plan like goes according to plan. Yeah, because he wanted to get caught. He wanted to get caught, and it's like, oh man, this guy's like super OP. Like Quill over here thinks, oh yeah, well I invented that code, or whatever, and then he goes ahead and and uses it against like all this stuff was like what crazy. But also like redeeming the double O program, you know, because it's like everything's on the computer now. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, someone's got to pull the trigger, you know? Yeah. And, like, he really, really carried that out. You know, yeah. Like, it had to be pulled. Except he threw a knife into his back instead of the gun. But Yeah. That was, uh, yeah, that was, you know, very James Bond-esque. And I also think that was really cool at the end, like, the villain. It, he had the opportunity to kill mom Mm -hmm. but then it's like no like let's step this up to the next level like it's not just he's a bad guy but really he's just like an anarchist you know and he gives mom the gun Mm -hmm. to shoot both of them with with the same bullet I think that just reminds me a lot of like the Joker from Nolan's Mm -hmm. Dark Knight Batman Mm -hmm. movie Mm -hmm. and how that character was really interesting and really exciting to watch and follow along with because he wasn't just like a bad guy. He just wasn't evil. He was chaos. Um, yeah. He was anarchy. He didn't play for good or for evil. Yeah. Or for himself, even. And so I think yeah. that was an interesting dynamic to see in a smaller scale of this character. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, I'm getting pretty tired. Me too. Yeah, I'm ready for bed. Dude, this is the first night that we're sleeping in the same room. This is gonna be crazy. There's another kind of side note here is that I've been rooming with Isaiah for the past couple months. And me, Isaiah, Logan, we all graduated. Isaiah got a job at at a hospital because um, he's a nurse. So is Logan. And uh, so he's gonna be working night shifts, which means that I... That he wanted to switch rooms with Noah, so that way, we didn't have opposite sleeping schedules and wake each other up, because he'll be awake during the night and he'll be trying to sleep during the day. You can't have any of that. So now Noah is sleeping in, in my room. We're sleeping in our room, I guess. Um, and tonight's the first night, so rest in peace. Um, me and Isaiah's roomie. Basically say goodbye to rest and silence and solitude. Yeah, goodbye to my night routine. <laughs> and hello, late night conversations like this. We'll see how it goes. But anyways, um, this has been the first episode of um, Couch Convos. Almost forgot the name, but I didn't. No. Um, yeah, I mean... You know, statistics really matter to us. It's the only reason we're doing this for the money. Mm. Um, so make sure you follow and subscribe. Um, I'm not really going to put much effort into this. I'm just going to keep it on Spotify. I think that's it. Because that's kind of the only thing I really... It's the only thing I use. So we're, it's like... We're posting this thing? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think we'll post it. That's cool. Um, I, uh... Yeah. We're posting it. 
it'll be on Spotify. So I think you can follow it, and I think you can rate podcasts now. Yeah. And so you do have to listen to all of it. So if you made if you made it <laughs> through this whole episode, that's awesome. If you don't rate us <laughs> a five star, you should never listen to us again. Please. Like. I don't know how you'd make it through 55 through an hour, essentially an hour of podcast and then be like, mm, yeah, that sucked. Cause if you did, you just wasted 50 minutes of your time. I'm yeah. sorry. Like I get if you like thought like the drunkenness stuff was interesting, but then you stuck around for like, like the James Bond stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like at least like the drunken drunkenness was edifying, you know, in some regard. Yeah. Yeah. James Bond is really just like, we did not need to watch either of those movies or review them. But we did. And it was fun. It was good and it was bonding. James bonding. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll end it there, folks. Well, it was great yeah. to have you on the couch with us tonight. Have a good one. Um, now we're kicking you off the couch. <laughs>